previously on dry powder. There are large GPs out seeking record amounts of capital for new fund vehicles. I spoke with Graham Rose, a senior partner in our private equity practice in the Boston office, about the state of fundraising and dry powder in the private equity industry. Today on the show, Graham Rose and I will talk about disruption. We'll think through sector expertise and whether or not that's more or less relevant going forward as a private equity investor. And we'll talk about how private equity investors need to think about disruption, even in their own investment industry. I think if nothing else, in the next five years, change will be faster even than it was over the last five years. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice, and this is Dry Powder. One of the topics that we've debated a lot with each other and certainly with a lot of clients in the past is around sector expertise. I'm wondering whether sector expertise is going to be more or less important as we come out of the pandemic. I'm thinking about industries like grocery, which could be fundamentally different going forward with people perhaps deciding that they want their groceries delivered uh, more than going into the store to shop uh, in the future, or in certain aspects of retail healthcare, where telemedicine is now becoming a much more important channel for a certain segment of the market. And in that world where everything's changing, in your mind, does that make sector expertise more important in the private equity industry or less important? I think that the future will favor those investors who can think about those disruptive factors evolving, both in good times and in bad. And whether that means sector specialization or that means a clear set of bets around thematic factors is a question mark. Most often, you would see investors who are deep sector expertise having the ability to take those points of view. Because ultimately, they live in that environment, they develop networks in that environment, they develop ecosystems that give them forewarning, that give them more clarity. But I would also be open to the number of investors who may spread a little bit wider in terms of the industries that they focus on, but are very focused on a handful of themes and opportunities within those that they have spent time, months, even years getting comfortable with and investing behind. Either way, it it speaks to a degree of focus. And it speaks to a certainty around the type of deal and type of thesis that they'd like to back. It's just a question of whether they come at it one way versus another. I agree. And it it strikes me that both lenses are relevant. If you don't understand the microeconomic drivers of uh, a supermarket or a retail health chain or whatever type of industry we're talking about, then it's very difficult to process and understand where disruption might occur and how it can occur. On the other hand, if you don't understand what types of disruption are possible, often enabled by technology, you might not understand how deeply these industries could be affected by that disruption over time, and you may not be able to pivot quickly enough. So it's an interesting mix that I think the sector expertise, the bedrock of really knowing your sectors and subsectors and your businesses and how they operate today is critically important. But at the same time, understanding how customer preferences are changing and therefore what adaptive business models are required to meet that need is critical to be nimble enough to take advantage of those opportunities and not be left in the dust. I would agree. And we've seen experimentation around both models historically. The industry movement towards sector specialization, whether it's single fund or within funds, has been pronounced over the course of the last two decades in the industry. If we look back to the leading funds in the early 2000s, They really were structured around the opportunities in the market. You fast forward today, and you have not only a set of sector specialist funds, the large uh, tech players, 
But then within the largest funds, it's often uh, the case that while they may cover seven or eight different sectors, they're driving the majority of their deal activity around three to four. And that has been a, a secular shift in the industry as people have sought advantage. Do you think horizontal capabilities and horizontal thinking processes are going to be even more important in private equity firms going forward? I'm thinking about things like, you know, how to spot the disruption and how to think broadly about it while focusing on sectors. So topics like um, automation, you know, maybe things that cut across a wide swath of industries and will actually disrupt a wide swath of industries or topics like supply chain resiliency uh, for, for businesses that have complex supply chain needs need to be thought through or even topics like customer preferences and how to get better at determining when customers will pivot and why. Are those types of horizontal capabilities you think more relevant across industries? So maybe there's a matrix of things that we need to consider more explicitly now as a private equity investor? Fantastic questions. We've seen attempts in the past to think across the portfolio, but they've been more uh, historically in the framework of, can we do a little bit better in purchasing? Can we do a little bit better in offshoring? And now we're talking about a very different way of doing business. Our clients very early on in this crisis expressed, you know, do I, number one, understand my risk across my positions do I have a view on my supply chain exposure across the businesses that I'm in, invested in? Am I exposed to certain regions of China? And I think that those lessons now lead towards a piece that says, gee, we have needs across all of our different portfolio companies. How do we actually institutionalize knowledge capture? How do we actually put in place mechanisms uh, that enable us to spot the themes? And moreover, a way of working together and interacting that enables us to think about those common focal points, whether they be supply chain, whether they be even advanced analytics, which is something that people were experimenting with in their portfolio and how to bring that to bear across consumer portfolios prior to the downturn. Let's talk a little bit about disruption in the private equity industry itself. One of the little jokes I make sometimes with clients that can uh, occasionally get me into trouble is that uh, when I think about the most manual industries that there are around. I start with something like landscaping, but I very quickly get to private equity investing uh, after that. When you think about the private equity investment process itself and, and how it might be changed by this pandemic, I think about a business where you get confidential information memorandums in, largely paper-based or soft copy. People get on planes, they go to management meetings, they come back, we get more papers pushed around to investment committees. Then if a deal is closed, there's meetings with attorneys, accountants, banks, and, and lender roadshows, and it's an extraordinarily manual process. But there are a tremendous number of tools, when you think about disruption, that could automate, replace, or at a distance, replicate a lot of what's done manually today. Do you think, number one, the bar has gone up on doing things the old way, especially since talent is the most precious commodity in most private equity firms? And number two, do you see firms thinking about this entire value chain of how they make investments and looking for sources of competitive advantage by doing things a different way coming out of this pandemic environment? I have had a number of clients approach me in the course of the last several months around new ways of working, that they can do the banker meetings, that they can do the roadshows for financing remotely, that these are things that ultimately can be done in 
online collaborative sessions and probably with earlier sharing of information in a way that makes them even more seamless and increases the likelihood of a informed outcome. So you're chain, not only are you doing it remotely, but you're doing it in a way that you are increasing the amount of the decision that is processed before you even have the meeting itself. I wonder about that as well. I mean, I wonder about how much technology can actually add productivity and real advanced analytic tools in order to source deals and triage the pipeline as opportunities come in so that it's not so manual. And then when you do a deal, you know, I've heard a lot of clients say to me using technologies like Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams, that, that toothpaste is out of the tube. That, that is never going back into the tube. And one client told me, we're not having board meetings in person with our portfolio companies ever again because Zoom works well enough, taking two days to fly and, and go have a six-hour meeting and then a dinner and come back once we already know the management team. So we're going to make that a different motion. And I just wonder how many motions are there like that across the investment value chain that we'll see in a strive for more effectiveness as well as efficiency. Yep. So there was already a trend in the marketplace towards the use of AI and advanced analytics to help screen and source opportunities. We saw it first in venture capital. There are a number of funds experimenting with how to use algorithms and their own investment track record history to identify a subset of opportunities that would rise to top their list. That was already a change that was in the works. And I think buyouts was probably a little bit slower to adopt it, but I think that that is a trend that is poised to continue. Ultimately, I would bet uh, that this idea of honing in on your sweet spot of investing through analytics is probably a trend that is with us and will be even more rapid than it was previously. The deal process component is a little bit different. The reliance on Zoom has been flagged as a positive by many of my clients. However, at the same time, they are looking forward to the day in which they can get back on planes to meet management teams. And the key component is the relationship perspective with the CEO. So I I would foresee a movement towards a process which is a lot more remote and a lot more digitally enabled other than a handful of interactions where people still want that degree of touch, but it will be a far more streamlined process up until that point. Let's talk a little bit about portfolio management and interaction. We've talked about a lot of industries that are undergoing fundamental change, uh, digitizing supply chain, end-to-end visibility, resiliency, customer behavior will be different, which will fundamentally change some businesses at the front end. That's an awful lot of disruption and change, and it raises a couple of questions in my mind. Is the average private equity investor, do they have the right post-acquisition value creation model and sets of capabilities to deal with that kind of change right now. And the second thought that it posed in my mind is, do we need more types of what I'll call venture capital kinds of skills and mindsets in those kinds of groups? How do you think about the next stage of what we might call, you know, portfolio value creation 3.0? A lot of the investments and a lot of the people who are adding value we're probably more focused on playbooks, on certain types of situations and levers that they were able to pull and pull repeatedly to get results out of their portfolio companies. The disruptive element of this downturn has certainly caused a shift in the objectives that you would have for your existing portfolio. What you were doing and the levers that you were pulling to optimize 
may no longer be enough. My vision of 3.0 is that you're probably going to be more expansive in the type of change that you want to undertake. And I think there will be a premium going forward on your ability to actually conduct a pivot in the business model or have a degree of comfort and knowledge about what's possible and what isn't. It's about the comfort level in delivering that type of transformation. And I don't think that every firm will be able to do it. I don't think that every firm will sign up for it. But value creation 3.0 is still rooted in the things you do extraordinarily well, but with a vision to say, how can I actually ensure that I increase my odds of success in doing things that will fundamentally drive a change in how I describe the business in three to five years? One of the interesting observations I'd make there is that we've heard a lot of talk that in the private equity industry itself and the bigger getting bigger and people are trusting the bigger brand names who have the longer track records, the more stability, safe pair of hands, high IRR investors. And that all resonates with me and makes a lot of sense. But what you've just been describing is that there's going to be a lot of innovation and disruption in the private equity industry itself. And so there's still room for entrepreneurs, there's still room for new ideas and new ways of doing things. And there's still room for that injection of energy that we've seen throughout private equities history that will result in new investment models that will help create a tremendous amount of alpha if executed right. Capital will find a way to flow to market opportunity. And ultimately, it will probably be uh, dictated by the needs of the LPs but there will be continued innovation and it will be innovation shaped by both what we're going through in the pandemic and it will be shaped by the nature of the recovery itself. Well, Graham, it's been a fascinating conversation. It will be a very interesting future and I agree with you, full of change. Thank you for again stopping by and having the conversation today and I look forward to, uh, to following up in the future. Thank you for the time. If you'd like to learn more about how you can tailor your firm's strategy to the COVID-19 crisis, email us at drypowder at bain.com. I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening.